Welcome to the New York City Healing Collective, where we amplify insights from people doing work at the intersection of healing, wellness, and societal transformation. This is your host, Angel Acosta. Let's dig in. So today we have brother Dr. Christopher Emden uh, gracing us with his presence. Uh, bro, I've been looking forward to this conversation. I've been thinking about your work and I wanted to expose folks uh, who don't already know you and those who know you to get a deeper insight into your genius. Uh, you're a tenured professor here at Teachers College, Columbia University. And I just want to jump in uh, to give me an update in terms of what you've been up to. Like, I know you got a book coming out. Yeah, fam. Um, a bunch of things, man. So, you know, my project, Science Genius, which, you know, goes to schools initially in New York, but now everywhere, which has been such a blessing to let young folks utilize the power of hip hop and hip hop culture with science and seeing what happens with that magic. So that's been, that's still growing. We're doing another iteration in New York City. We're in um, Jamaica now doing Science Genius with Dance Hall with some amazing artists out there, like my brother Wayne Marshall and, and Sasko has joined on to help us. And so that work's growing. Then the, the larger hip hop ed work is really expanding, just really moving from a digital online conversation on Twitter into a sort of real life and in-person sort of community generating kind of phenomenon. So, you know, we've had our conference a couple years. We're gonna have another conference this year, bringing the online community to the real world and then making that blossom into something more powerful. I've been working on this new book, which should be out next year, you know, tentatively titled Ratchademic or Oreo No More Teaching and Being Ratchademic. That may change. <laughs> But, so I'm working on that joint, um, pardon me for that. And then, you know, on a couple of book series, because for me it's really important to be able to give folks who might not necessarily get the avenue to be able to construct a book or create a book, a platform to be able to get their work out there in the world and be seen as having the same kind of intellectual heft as a traditional academic or a PhD. So many folks I interact with who are so genius and have a book in them mm -hmm. and don't have a platform. So we want to do this hip hop ed book series to get those folks to have a voice. And then beyond that, just, you know, navigating academia, navigating the world, Real you know what I mean, being a father. Yeah, man. Um, just doing the work. And then, so this idea of Ratchademic, man, I've been watching your, your work grow so much. You know, it's been an honor to see you evolve. But tell us a little bit about Ratchademic and why that concept is so important right now, not just in the academy, but also, like, in the community. I mean, the, cl the climate for Ratchademic has, has become so urgent now given that folks who previously had power but attached their power to a sort of respectability or a certain sort of cultural norms or having a certain sort of like a, um, rules of engagement that are civil. Mm. So folks oftentimes previously had power mm. and also had civility mm. or at least what was pre presented as civility. Mm. And now what we have is we have folks who have power and are are so unapologetic about expressing and using that power to demonize others and make others feel less than. Mm. And at the same time, we have folks who have been historically presented in position to be powerless, mm -hmm. who are being trained to have civil ways of expressing self and civil rules of engagement and not rattling the cage and not making folks uncomfortable. And so for me, you know, when you have folks with power who are civil and folks without power who are civil, at least we can engage with a shared understanding of a certain civility and care for the other. But when you have folks who have power and now are upfront about ensuring that you have no voice at all, mm. um, you are almost forced to be able to express your sense of self 
and um, with a, with a certain sort of like a righteous indignation that is not just held within, but expressed viscerally for the sake of at least just having an opportunity to be able to fight back and push back. And um, you know, I think the phenomenon has already existed for a very long time. Like I didn't invite, I didn't invent ratchetness, nor did I invent invent um, you know being raw and, and unapologetic about who you are. I think what's oftentimes happened is that people have reserved that identity of being raw mm. and intellectual to folks who have been able to climb up the social ladder of institutions. Mm. So it's like reserved for like you know, you know like and it's the OG like you know Michael Eric Dyson like you know that's the OG in many ways like wrote you know you know wrote such beautiful things about my book but he's always been revered for being able to be of high intellectual value mm -hmm. and also being sort of like approachable and raw yeah. but we oftentimes reserve that to only folks like him with a phd yeah yeah and and for me it's about even in the playing field and saying we all have that in him the reason why we look at him like oh my gosh we love that cat is because he is what we want to be but we feel like we don't have the credential to allow us to be that raw yeah, yeah. and i want to say you don't need the credential the credential is simply another uh uh tool um for endorsing who has value and who doesn't but we all have that gift yeah. and then there are folks who are in academia who feel like we can't do that that's only reserved for that one special guy mm -hmm. and to say for all of us we all have that rawness as a piece of who we are and it's been championed by a lot of really brilliant black women scholars mm -hmm. and in the book i really want to champion a lot of these sisters who yeah. who have always you know moved beyond respectability you know what i mean like the um yeah. you know in, in a contemporary we got we got the um you know, the Britney Coopers of the world yeah, and, yeah. And, and my sister Treva, Treva Lindsay's of the world who, who are even raw about who they are. But even historically, you know what I mean? Like, the, you know, Evelyn Hibbergotham, like their work about like anti-respectability has always been a, it's always been a strand of who they are. Yeah. And for sisters in particular, because sisters are always doubly and triply positioned as being less than. Yes. So they doubly and triply have to identify with a different kind of persona yeah. that's raw. But I'm just saying like sisters have led us to understand we all need this thing. Yeah. And um, so that's like the premise behind Ratchetemic and a bunch of different versions of it that I express in the book, um, but also that I express in my work and in myself. I mean, I've evolved as a scholar and as an academic yeah, to be more comfortable yeah. with who I am. You know what I mean? So um, that's where we are. Yeah, bro, you, I appreciate that. And just to, you know, honor uh, the, the historical legacy of black feminist thought, bro. You know, the, as you said, the Brittany Coopers of the world, but going back to the Kobahee Collective. Yes. And uh, Patricia Hill Collins. Yes. You know, just... Alice Walker, just so many women uh, in the in the community who have laid the groundwork yes. uh, for, for for us to be able to yes. Nikki Giovanni yes Nikki Giovanni so many others bro this is this is one I gotta interrupt this is one yeah. talk with Nikki Giovanni yeah and Baldwin bro mm. together together bro Ooh. it's like it's it's like it's almost like hidden in plain sight kind of joint mm. where they had this like hour long dialogue in fact I think it's like two parts. It's like a two-part series, and they were on mm -hmm. Souls, and Souls is like this PBS show. If you go online, you could probably dig it up, man. And they're just rapping, you know what I mean? Like they just they just vibing, and she she's she so eloquently and brilliantly pushes him. Mm. Um, and I would argue that you know, when, if you listen to that speech, and I'm writing about this in the book, right? yeah. if you listen to that talk, she starts using like a lot of vernacular discourse. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you know, it's of course a '70s style conversation. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? She's called like you know these cats, and she's like using these these this, this colloquial expressions. And yeah. as she as she uses them more readily in the talk, mm. you slowly hear Baldwin kind of become a little bit less buttoned up. Mm. Like even in that two-hour conversation, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. embracing a more he, he shifts and like you know I I think that 
you know, so when we see a later conversation with him and he's that raw, yeah. you know, I would make the argument that that conversation with, with Nikki Giovanni pushed him into that mm. rawness. You know what I mean? That's always been there, but that, that fast forwards us into a really full ownership of who we are. So, I mean, look, I just want to, I just want to, I just want us to reimagine that idea of unapologetically loving ourselves, our language, our speech, our, our, our voice expressions, our, our cultural traditions. Um, that existed, in, and I would argue, you know, you know, in the '70s, and that we've so, we've since forgotten in search for acceptance mm. um, and integration, and, and integration, and then reclaiming that, but particularly reclaiming that as a method in mm. K through 12 education. No, yeah, yeah, I hear you, bro. I think, you know, when I think about your work, especially not just Ratchetemic, but just your whole corpus, you know, for white folks to teach in the hood. And your other text, you know, I think you push back against code switching, right? Pushing back against traditional ways of thinking about that. And I think Ratchetemic is at the center of that conversation. Yeah, it's the evolution of my, yeah, it's, it's the evolution yeah. of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, moving from code switching to cultural weaving. That's yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen is like code switching, I, I hear it sounds so mechanical. Like, why yeah. do I have to switch a code? Am yeah. I turning one of code up? Am I, try, am I turning off my blackness to right. be more, in this case, white or more kind of professional? And what does that mean about blackness? Is it less professional? What, what does that mean in terms yeah. of my, my dreads or my hair or my clothing? So I think your work is, is huge. I appreciate and those, you, Those man. folks doing that work to, to help young people understand that, you know, they don't have to code switch. They can be who they are. Absolutely. And brilliant. And, brilliant. and concurrently engage in and with both. And through the like through the construction of an identity that does both, reimagine what the norms are within traditional institutions. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and for white folks, I got a chapter critiquing code switching, even as I employ code switching as a possible method mm. for navigating. And, and it's like, yo, it's not about the switch, because oftentimes there is no switch. I think it's a trick. The, the trick is to frame it as code switching and then make the switch permanent. Mm. Right? Mm. The idea, the switch, I, the, the concept of a switch is that you can go back and forth yeah. fluidly and effortlessly. Yeah. But also, if you're thinking about this on a sort of engineering tip, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're consistently switching a switch back and forth and back and forth, you're going to burn out the fuse. Mm. Right? And so... It's, it's understanding the language of code switching, but it's also critiquing the concept of code switching and also recognizing that we don't want to burn our fuses out in the process and that it's not a permanent switch from one code to the other, but rather an existing in uh, sort of reimagining the interstitial space and rewiring the whole spot. You know what I mean? Like, no, I feel you. So, so, like, you know, the engineering principle of like, the wires are all hidden in the interstitial spaces. Mm -hmm. Like we want to go into the interstitial spaces, mm -hmm. rewire them so there's no more need for a code switching, mm -hmm. right? You know what I mean? Like just the idea of switching in, in, in buildings, right? That's oftentimes passe. Mm -hmm. We have the technology now to have the, the room be wired where it can sense the heat of a human body and turn a light on, mm -hmm. right? So if, so if engineering wise, we have principles that allow the space to feel our presence mm. and move accordingly. Mm. Why can't institutions do the same? Mm. No, no, I think, I think that, that points to a whole different direction, a new direction. I'm thinking about, I'm said about code switching and racial battle fatigue. Yeah. And the classic burnout that communities of color experience, whether it be teachers and a predominantly white labor force and what, what comes with having to code switch into that profession or other, you know, professions. But I kind of hear in code switching so much, you burn out. Absolutely. And in burn out, you lose yourself. Absolutely. And in, lose your, in losing yourself, I think what Dr. Bertina Love talks about in terms of spirit murdering. Yeah, yeah, You know, how do, all, all, all of that kind of connects uh, together. Because I've been watching you for a minute and uh, I've noticed 
that over the last few years, you've kind of pivoted more towards using the language of healing. Yeah. More explicitly. I think, I think you've always had it in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've noticed lately, like, you really, like, are using healing as a, as a, as a, as a concept with momentum. Like, you, you know, this is... So I want you to yeah. talk more about that. It's a powerful strain yeah. of my work, bro. I And, you know, and it's also, you know, not for the sake of being provocative, also recognizing that, like, even the idea of, like, the conversation around spirit that's become so permanent in my work, which I, which I again, nod to, and for white folks, and, you know, for white folks, when I have that church chapter, mm. um, I'm really talking about faith. Um, and, in, and, and the next book, once this one's done, on Pentecostal pedagogy, it's really about, you know, when we have conversations about spirit, we can't have conversations about spirit without understanding the concept of faith. Yeah. Um, we can't have the concept of faith without having a conversation about the belief in the divinity of human beings, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and we can't have that conversation without recognizing that as African peoples, mm -hmm. there's historically been a connection to the sort of like, uh, to, to the universal. Like, you know, like Jay Electronica would call it when he says heavily in tune with the infinite. Like, what, what is the infinite being? Mm -hmm. That we that we that we sort of anchor and tether ourselves to for the sake of navigating social spaces mm -hmm. that are problematic. Mm -hmm. So like I, you know, folks, I think talking about spirit has become trend mm -hmm. without a recognition that you can't talk spirit without talking faith. You can't talk faith without talking about our divineness. We can't talk divineness without talking about forces that guide our existence. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, you know, high intellect oftentimes lends itself to objectivism, which then lends itself to almost like an agnostic. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, or, you know, kind of like a way of looking at the world. And when I look at that, folks who, who claim to be agnostic, you know, I align that with the concept of agnosia. Mm. And an agnosia is an, an inability to recognize what's before you, what's already there. Mm. And folks don't want to talk about that piece. Mm. And, I, and I want to confront that. Yeah. And in my work, why I've nodded to healing is because it's a recognition of the damage that is caused by our existence in spaces not designed for us. Mm. Particularly when I look at K-12 education, the entire enterprise is predicated on a divorcing of your authentic self mm. from the pursuit of knowledge. Mm. And so if, this, if the structure is one that robs you of self, Right. And I believe an idea of, a, yeah. of, of spirit having value mm -hmm. and, your, and your spirit is being compromised and you're inevitably broken. Mm. And if you're inevitably broken to, 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 to navigate schools means to heal from the damage of schools. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, for me as a pedagogue, like, you know, a lot of people talk other shit. You know, what I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm well aware of, um, of of all the areas of study that exist in the world and folks have their own entry points, right? Yeah. Some folks are more interested in the social political dimensions. Some folks are more interested in the in the policy dimensions. Yeah. You know, some folks are more interested in, you know, whatever it is. But yeah. you know, I'm a K through twelve dude. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the the, the, the the art and science of teaching and learning, yeah. particularly in K through twelve spaces, is what I lean to and lean into the most. I have a wherewithal of the larger landscape, but I think I got to commit myself to something. I, I think a lot of cats don't commit themselves to anything. I'm committed to this. Like, you know, they, they, they chase wokeness for the sake of wokeness. I'm woke enough on everything. Yeah. No, I'm savvy enough on anything. Yeah, to get it. But my awareness is in understanding what, what happens in K through 12. Yeah. And when babies are broken, we have to do the work to heal them. No, no, major. You know what I mean? And, and you know, also linking up with my man's Ian, like Ian Levy. Yeah, who, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that, 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 that's my, you know, that's, that's like my, you know, my little homie. And, you know, like his work around counseling, when we partnered up thinking about counseling and mental health awareness, and I started connecting that to my work in K through 12 and learning, mm. I think Ian really shifted me into thinking about teaching as counseling mm. and recognizing like the mental health issues that are at our plate. Mm -hmm. And then since then we've collabed on a couple joints, but it's like looking at, look, you know, I could not as a K through 12 expert, mm not recognize that young folks have severe mental health 
issues that are being constructed and created by their experience mm. in schools. Mm-hmm. So if I want you to learn in schools and I can't address those issues, then I'm not doing you a you know I'm doing you a disservice. So that's been where that that strand has come from. Yo yo, and I I just made another connection with, with your work. You know, just I can see how Ian's work has has influenced you a little bit. Um, you know, him working on you know using hip hop uh, as a form of kind of uh, therapy in in the counseling setting is major. Um, so I can see how his his work has influenced you a little bit in terms of thinking about mental health, thinking about healing. So thank you for kind of illuminating that. So it kind of leads me to this next kind of piece that is an extension of you taking up healing more, but hip hop as medicine. Yeah. Hip hop as, as healing. Like I, I, I even uh, think about my experiences growing up and hip hop literally providing a beacon of hope for me, even if sometimes the language may have been a bit dysfunctional and reinforcing some um, systems of oppression where they be toxic masculinity, but in many regards, it provided kind of a way to imagine my way out the hood. Yeah, but look, look, here's the thing. And I, you ever go and you watch these commercials on TV and they, and they be like, yo, this hurt, this heals your depression, but here are the side effects. <laughs> and then you got to weigh whether or not the depression, overcoming that depression is worth the side effects, mm. right? I think, and we, we, when we talk about that, we're talking about a medicine. I think mm. hip hop is medicine. Mm. It is. Sonic. It's, it's sonic medicine. It's emotional medicine. It's, it's, but it's medicine. Mm. Now, the thing with medicine is that some medicine, depending on the doses, dosages, depending on the, on the lab that creates it, yeah. will have some side effects. Mm. So gangster rap is healing. Gangster rap is medicine, but that brand of medicine has particular side effects. So you got to recognize whether or not the healing you get from it is worth the side effects or not. Yeah. Or if you want to go to a different pharmacy or and also you have to understand like certain if you're using a pharmaceutical industry, uh, pharmaceutical industry as, a, as the exemplar, you know, mm. there's certain there's certain um, there's certain medicines that are great for you, but they're not on brand. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes you get the brand name medicine and that has severe side effects, but there's some stuff that's not been fully tested yet, but it has value. Mm. So for me, I want us to, it's not even like a, and, 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 and even when I talked about being influenced by little homie Ian's work, I shouldn't call him little homie because I don't want him to feel slighted by it, but you know, these are, these are my youngins in many ways. You know what I mean? Like, but when I think about how his work has shifted me, your work has shifted me. Mm. All right. Like I want to, I want us to be clear that. Yeah. That um, this ain't this ain't a you know a beacon in the hill that has a sage knowledge. No, no, no. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, I, I'm moved by Ian's work. I moved on your work on healing and the 400 Years Project. I've been moved by Ed's work and his commitment to the perform Edwin Adjapon's work and the yeah, performative yeah, aspects yeah, of hip hop pedagogy. You know what I'm saying? I've been moved by um Lauren Kelly's work and her work in looking at hip hop in English as la- as narrative and language. Um, I've been moved like like I've I've been mo- I've been moved by everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I and I think the idea of um. This is why, you know, this, we're going to get into another piece and I answer your question, but this is why, you know, we, we are unaware of the extent to which white supremacist structures have colonized the psyche of otherwise free folks mm. who can do transformative work because, mm. because the notion of shared work mm. is completely lost mm. on black folks in the academy. Mm. Now, I'm not saying don't, like, you got you to gotta give shout outs to cats, yeah. but ain't nobody inventing nothing. No, 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 no. The, the notion that you invented an idea and a concept and a construct, you ain't doing this, this, nothing. Lauren said it best. Anything you did has already been done. Like, it's been done. Yeah. It's reimagining new aspects. It's reinforcing certain dimensions. Yeah. It's strengthening and bolstering the undercarriage, but the work's already there. And yeah. when folks present themselves as inventing, 
You know what I mean? Like you created I, some I shit. This term. Yeah, you ain't coined shit, bro. You just found, you know, you found the oppressor's language mm. to use a, a word with multiple syllables to describe something that already existed. But the work is shared work. You know what I mean? And, and, and hip-hop taught me that. So back yeah, to our conversation yeah. about hip-hop. Yeah. Because hip-hop is a culture of borrowing. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? Like this guy is sampling this, this, this classic record. The connector between the contemporary and the ancestor is in the music they produce. I can conjure up the spirit of the ancestor in what I sample mm. and reimagine that to do a different type of track in a contemporary. And that's our culture. Let me just acknowledge that real yeah. quick. Yeah. Remixing as ancestral work, you know what I'm saying? Man, <laughs> remixing and sampling, mm. trying to get the same feel. Mm. Bob Marley said that best. Like when they talk, he said, they, to, they, they say, you know, what, what is it about your music that makes it special? It's like, it's not the sound, it's the feel. Mm -hmm. So if you're chasing multiple sounds and it's not getting the feel you need, mm. and it's just the pursuit of the feel, if you got the same feel as the original, you're borrowing from the original. Mm. Even if the sound's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, these are Afrocentric approaches to this work that institutions rob us of, which is why the academic stuff is so valuable to me. Yeah. Because I got to get to the point where I start realizing that everything that they taught me about how it is to operate, I've got to question. Yeah, and, and recognize it as an alternate model, even as I gain the benefit of being a piece of said institution and, and gaining that knowledge. Like, you know what I mean? And it's so, yo, but that's hip hop. Hip hop samples, hip hop remixes, hip hop reimagines. Tory Lane's got a new album where every track on the album is a track that's already been done. Mm. But here's how he flipped that joint. Mm. He got the songs that were already done, then they got the artist from the original to be the feature on the new joint. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's what hip hop does. So, and so when you understand the complexity of our culture and how we get down, mm. you start realizing that the, the model for how to do anything right is hip hop. Mm. Yeah. It's also it's also an exemplar of how to do certain things wrong. Mm -hmm, of course, we got to critique ourselves, but we can't lead with the critique of the beauty of what we have. Mm. We have to lead with the recognition of the magic in what we have, mm. and then find opportunities to be able to address the problematic aspects of it. Get feedback, and you got to do you, you got to do both. Yeah, but you can't do one or the other. A lot of cats who claim to be hip hop scholars spend their entire career critiquing hip hop <laughs> or other scholars. Or other scholars simply reinforcing the notion that it's 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 only problematic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you know you can't you can't be so in love with critique that you can't pull out the beauty and the magic, mm -hmm. and you can't be so in love with the beauty and the magic that you're unwilling to critique. Yeah, that that, that balance. And the idea that you can only do one or the other was not is not our idea. Mm -hmm. That's academia's idea because yeah, yeah. we've always learned that we could do both. That binary. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, so wanted to kind of acknowledge, because uh, I kind of see you embodying your pedagogy, right? So you talk about hip-hop pedagogy, talk about Pentecostal pedagogy, talk about reality pedagogy, and I've been in plenty of your classes, and we've been in plenty of conversation. So I just wanted to mirror you, mirror, mirror back. Um, when you talk about Ian influencing your work, me influencing your work, other scholars influencing your work, I feel like you embody what it means to engage in hybridity. You mm -hmm. talk about cultural hybridity a lot. Yeah. And I think you talk about it a lot, but I, I think, and you know this already, I'm just acknowledging it, that you're also embodying it. I appreciate that, King. By how you put yourself in spaces where you allow yourself to be influenced by, by your students, your colleagues, your friends, um, and you kind of remix that. So it just kind of brings back the idea that in those 
spaces where there is hybridity, multiple forms of being, mm. there is so much potential for exponential change. Absolutely. And that's the and that's the beauty of it. The beauty of the beauty of where we are in the world right now when we recognize our full ratchetness and our full academic selves. The magic in that is then the possibilities are endless. Because mm. they're they're endless they're endless iterations, they're multiple permutations of what it means once you've got the once you got the number right and you put that, you know, in English it's the exclamation mark and in mathematics it's the permutation. But when you put that permutation symbol by the number, mm. it means that it could go on forever. Mm. It takes on a new life when you add mm -hmm. um when you add a symbol, yeah. right? A recognition of what the symbol means. And so for me it's like, you know, like the, the idea of our ability to be able to continue to evolve by virtue of a recognition of the magic we bring to these spaces mm -hmm. that we can continually evolve and here's a, the ill thing about it too is that everybody who takes on that concept mm -hmm. brings another thing right because mm -hmm. the constellation of experiences that make angel angel mm -hmm. they might be some points of connection yeah. with the things that make chris emden chris emden but they're different mm -hmm. And so as we explore our multiple selves and our multiple authentic selves, mm -hmm. we both have exponential amounts of impact and things to draw from to yeah. create this new iteration. Yeah. So there's endless remixes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't end. <laughs> and, and like that's the magic is, is when we recognize that we don't have all the answers, but if we give folks the formula to find their own answers, mm. the world is a much more complex and beautiful place. Yeah. And we get closest to the point of of, 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 of full existence, you know what I mean? And we don't ever get there, but we get closest to it. Yeah, I think that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful goal, to just get close, you know? I think there was a, just a draw on some scientific uh, metaphors around the truth, the truth being asym, asym, asymptotic, like that kind of parabolic trajectory of being really close mm -hmm. to that kind of side of the quadrant, but never really touching the line. Well, that's scientifically, that's, that's social life, right? You, mm -hmm. you never fully, you never, whatever it is you touch, often science, the point of feeling is not that you're melded to it. Mm -hmm. It's just that you're on the surface of it. Mm -hmm. You're never fully intertwined in it, mm -hmm. right? Like my hand on a table means that there, there's pieces of matter that are between me and the table. Mm -hmm. I think I feel it. It doesn't mean I'm in it. Mm -hmm. I'm never in it. Mm -hmm. Right? And, yeah. and the beauty is getting closest to being in it as possible. Yeah, 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 but yeah, also yeah. the beauty is in recognizing you can never fully get in it. Mm. And that's magic. There's magic and never arriving. No, no, yo. I mean, we could talk all day about that last bit, you know, because I've been thinking a lot about, you know, quantum physics and uh, thinking about what you just said, you know, the subatomical world and the relationship between matter and, and atomic particles. And you could even kind of talk a little bit about how that relates to healing and how that relates to hip hop. You know, how does how does the cultural hybridity that comes from coming out of a, a, a context where you have been historically oppressed and building out a culture like hip hop. Yeah. And then also the remixing and the mixing that comes with, you know, not just the subatomical world, but just being in community and being in friction and in connection with each other. Uh, and and you know what you know the beautiful thing that you said, and also the most tragic thing in what you said. What, like I love how you described it as being in friction, mm -hmm. is that folks don't like the heat of friction, mm -hmm. and that's the necessary piece for like the joie de vivre, like the like yeah, the yeah, you know yeah. I mean like the you know the joy and magic of life is in that. It's not in the agreeance. It's yeah. in the pushing. It's in the it's in the and it doesn't have to be. I think we've been trained to think of it as as oppositional. Mm -hmm. And I think the friction sometimes is the good part. I like, I've got to go through that personally. Like yeah. I'm going, you know, professionally we're going through this moment where, you know, I'm like, I don't feel valued mm -hmm. by certain cats. Yeah. And, and 
and I like I and I for a quick minute I was like, man, that means I'm not welcome or loved. Maybe I should step out of it, mm. right? And then I like and I thought about <laughs> it and I was like, oh my gosh, no. Now that I've gotten that, that's the time to really dig in. Mm -hmm. And while they may not like it, mm. and while in the moment it may seem as if I am the person who is the aggressor or mm -hmm. who is the pusher, I'm I, you know I'm the uh, you know I, I'm the protagonist. But I'm the but I'm the but I you know I mean I'm that guy. But I'm I'm working to make us all better. I have to trust that on the other you y'all will come out on the other side of it recognizing what this is because the assault is not on me. The assault is what I'm bringing. Yeah. The assault is on the friction. You don't like how that feel. Yeah. It ain't about me. It's about how I feel. But I need you to feel something for us to grow. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and not in a way where you're being a provocateur for the sake of being a provocateur. I think some folks have made a business out of being a provocateur, right? Mm -hmm. Like today, a video came out of a little black boy that was being slammed by a black police officer in the school mm -hmm. in North Carolina. And that struck me emotionally and viscerally. And in the next couple of days, it's going to be the thing. I know it, right? Mm -hmm. But then I was looking at who's sharing it, right? Mm. Some folks are sharing it just to share it. No commentary, mm. no, um, no analysis, mm. no pleading at humanity. No, um, it's just like, here's the video, be mad, no. and watch it a million times. Mm. So th that's stupid. That's, that's being a provocateur for the sake of being a provocateur. Like, you just like the smoke that comes with being the one to share the violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what you gonna do to get us further? Right, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, don't just spark the friction. See us through it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know. And provide, and provide the, the language, at least, to think about healing. Uh, what, yeah. What's, what's the restorative processes that need to be uh, set in place? Out of this thing. To heal, but also the people who perceive that. Yeah. So that's another piece around police violence and just the structural violence that our communities experience that I've seen is that I've seen so many murders online. Yep. And the way that that has shaped my consciousness. Yeah, you can normalize the trauma. You can yeah. normalize the black death. And there's something problematic about that. And you cannot say it's informative. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and just keep sharing it without context, without healing, without an avenue towards seeing different perspectives or finding a mechanism to be able to make sense of the phenomenon or doing something about it. Mm. You can't just like passively ingest trauma and expect to be whole. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that yeah. which and, and what and this is why hip hop is so powerful because yeah. hip hop are folks who constantly ingest and are in the midst of trauma, but then utilize that voice as a mechanism for healing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for upward mobility. And all that. With the bread that they make, uh, if you're lucky enough. Fam, is upward mobility not healing? And you know, we don't we don't talk about this piece. It's getting some bread to be able to move to to move yourself to be able to get something you never had before, not healing? Mm. Of course it's healing. Mm. You, you let folks convince us that that piece of it is not woke enough. Like you shouldn't be doing it for the bread. And if you are, then you're not about that life. Nah. When I'm financially stable enough where I can eat and my family can, I can do better work. And that's healing too. Yep, yep, yep. And we've let, in, 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 in Ratchademic, I have a chapter in there where I'm writing about how folks have used humility as a mechanism for assault, right? Mm -hmm. So folks who say, you know, be humble, mm -hmm. don't ask for what you deserve. Mm -hmm. Be humble, look less than. Mm -hmm. Be humble, act a certain way. Mm -hmm. And humility has been used as a vehicle to make you shrink yourself to not demand what you need to heal mm -hmm. so you know you know I, you know i ain't gonna be I'm, i am not going to be assaulted by narratives of what humility should look like for the sake of pacifying a person who wants to relegate me to a subaltern position mm. you know what i mean i intend to live and live freely and live through the friction of what my freeness means to people around me major no major i just want to acknowledge that last piece you said around econ the economics 
of, of this justice work. Because when, th- when we think about social justice, we, we spend a lot of time thinking about dignity and belonging and the legal processes and maybe community accountability systems that would reduce uh, the onset of some of these systems of oppression. But I think the other side of it reminds me of Marcus Garvey. Yeah. And that classic conversation in the community around like, how do we engage in self-determination? How do we engage in social mobility? So the economic question is equally as important here. Bro, I'm so staunchly a Garveyite. Mm. He's coming back. His spirit, I hear it. Or, or in Mad- so many ways. Madam C.J. Walkers. I mean, like, uh, I, uh, like you know what I mean? Like, because the philosophy... And, and what I find most fascinating about his, his story and his narrative and his philosophy is the way that it, the way that it became undermined. Mm. Right? It was, it was undermined through systems to use... Oh, he didn't, he didn't do this... He didn't pay this tax on this thing. <laughs> You know what I mean? He like it's 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 a utilizing of the structure to be able to undermine a philosophy and train of thought mm-hmm. that was emancipatory, mm-hmm. and you know knowing that that's part of the work. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up here. I just want to kind of acknowledge uh, the conversation we had previously in honor of Garvey and the kind of the Universal uh, Negro Improvement Movement and the kind of Pan Africanist uh, movement. Because you mentioned the other day how Afro beats. Yes, sir. It's jumping off. It's the wave. Um, but thinking about like the power of music, the power of hip hop. It's our healing. And, and then also like this kind of Afro diasporic energy that is just popping right now. It's th- because the spirit is in the air. Mm. It's it's you know, and, and again, I think the spirit is in the air as a result of the power colluding with unapologetic expressions and demands for their power. Even when it was never under assault, like you know, here's the thing: like you know, folks, their power has never been under. Like white supremacist ideologies and structures have already been placed. They're so a part of our institutions. They are what they are, mm. and these folks have had the power, mm. and then present themselves as though their power is under assault, <laughs> in the most raw way. Mm. And I think that in response to that, communities are like, "Word, this, this, we, we got to have some get back." Mm-hmm. And so because of that, they're searching internally, spiritually, mm-hmm. for something, again, for a claiming of self. And that's why there's this, this, this and this is why Afrobeats and Afro swing and Afrocentric ideology and philosophy is reemerging because it's the only avenue for a language mm-hmm. in the midst of everything else being taken from you and reclaimed mm-hmm. by the person who is oppressing you. And again, speaking to why, you know, the, the, the music is healing, hip-hop is healing, and I would make the argument that Afrobeats is hip-hop. I would, and take the S off it, Afrobeat, when Fela was with the hey. Africa 70 in the 70s, can't nobody tell me that was not hip-hop. It's the mm-hmm. spirit of hip-hop. I, I use hip-hop as a phrase mm-hmm. simply because it's the, it's the contemporary linguistic word that has emerged yeah. as a way to describe the phenomena. Yeah. But Fela was hip-hop. Kidding me? Came on stage, no shirt on. You know what I'm saying? Sparklies on the side of his pants. Wilding. Talking about the government and talking about he's not a gentleman. But drawing from a keen awareness of the social political landscape. How is that not rationemic? I was about to say that. Raw as fuck, but brilliance as, as fuck. You know what I'm saying? Even given the even like um even like my man's like Lux, which I love Lord of Lux so much yeah, in the battle rap Lux, culture, right? The idea, like, listen, I'm battling mm. and I'm utilizing these words as a way to be able to assault my opponent, but I call him king and I call him beloved mm. to let him know this is just an exercise in us sharpening our swords mm. so we can fight a larger battle. Mm. And that's an Afrocentric philosophy. That's a Pan-Africanist philosophy. Mm. 
So, you know, I, I want folks to know this is our season. Mm. This is our time. Mm. This is why I'm so hyped to get this book done. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? And, and because I think that it's a word that we need in this season to overcome the, um, the, 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 the structural barriers that are at place and the systems that, that seek to shrink us for the sake of them, you know, sort of, you know, exponentially increasing their power. You know what I mean? This is our season. This is our time. Let's get it. And that's why we're doing this work. Let's get it, man. Thank you so much no for doubt, taking okay? time to talk, bro. Appreciate you. Know, you. Uh, just think about this this quote, um, steel sharper steel, bro. Always. And you already know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All love always. Yeah, I already know, bro. Yeah.